0: This is come and see from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for July 10th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses one through nine and 18 through 23. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. In reflecting on this Gospel of Matthew today, the first of several parables that Jesus told, I was taken back by the three elements that it contains the seed, the sower, and the soil. This led me to further reflection on the necessary qualities of each one. First of all, there's the seed. Without question, the seed is representative of the Word of God. But what are the qualities of a seed? And what do these qualities have to tell us about the word of God? We know from the parable of the mustard seed that seeds are disproportionately small compared with what they eventually produce. In the case of herbs, in which for some reason Jesus took great delight, they are in fact almost ridiculously small. Anyone who has planted thyme or savory knows the strange sensation of practically losing sight of the seed after it's been dropped in the furrow. And you might as well, you feel like you might as well have sown nothing for all you can see. And what does that say about the word of God and the sower sows? It says that the true coming of the word of God even if you see it, doesn't look like very much. And that when it does finally get around to doing its real work, it is so mysterious that it can't even be found at all. And that is the second thing about seeds, they disappear. In the obvious sense, they do so because of their need to be covered over with Earth in order to function. As far as their own being is concerned, they simply die and disappear. The second player, of course, is the sower. Again, there are certain qualities that the sower must possess or he will literally not be able to handle the job. The first quality is that he must have the ability to face disappointment. The sower must be able to deal with the fact that not every seed is going to bear fruit. In fact, as you just heard, three of the four scenarios played out in the parable do not have a positive ending. The second necessary quality is patience. Obviously, once planted, the seed needs time to grow. And if the sower wants immediate results, he will literally drive himself crazy because it's just not gonna happen. The third and final element in the parable is the soil. Here the options are described in the parable. I'm sorry, I'm just having a little trouble breathing this morning. But a little more background must clarify things even further. In the Palestinian fields where they were sown, they were sown in long and therefore Uh, narrow strips, and the ground between the strips is a right-of-way, and therefore, as people walk on them, they get beaten down and used as a common path. And they become hard as pavement by the constant foot traffic that they receive. This is what Jesus means by the seeds falling by the wayside. Secondly, the stony ground is not ground which is filled with stones, but rather it's a third skin of earth on top of an underlying shelf of limestone, which is very common in Palestine. The earth may only be a few inches deep before the rock is reached. On the second ground, the seed would certainly germinate, and it would germinate quickly because the ground grew speedily and it became very warm with the heat of the sun, but there's no depth of earth which it can send down its roots in search of nourishment and moisture. It would meet only the rock and would be starved to death and unable to withstand the heat of the day. And the third option is the thorny ground. That could well have been the ground where there were many weeds. The last ground is good and fertile ground, in which the seed not only germinates, but also grows strong and bears much fruit. Now, that's so much for our Palestinian lesson in agriculture this morning. What does the parable of the sower and the seed mean to us today? The seed, of course, is the word of God. But as John emphasizes in his gospel, the word of God is none other than Jesus himself. So the seed is representative of Jesus. The sower now becomes anyone who spreads the seed or who spreads the word of God, who is, and we have no way of knowing when we spread the word of God, how the hearers are going to receive the seed. There are times that we will certainly face disappointment along the way and we will need patience to let the seed grow and mature in our listeners. Which brings us to the soil. We have to realize that all of us, without exception, are at one time or another soil for the word of God. In reflecting on each week's readings, I let the word grow and mature in my mind. And then of course, I pray too, and I depend on the spirit to add the correct amount of fruit for my effort. I'm transformed from soil to sower. You then become the new soil in which those seeds are sown. What you do with those seeds is up to you. But if if the seeds fall on receptive soil and grows and matures in you until it bears fruit, that fruit will last And then you have also been transformed from soil to sower. And the results, excuse me, and the results of that. That transformation becomes evident in the good works that we do. We can sometimes be astounded and very excited as we see the growing taking place. Consider the following story from Chicken Soup for the Baseball Player's Soul. The author writes, my, my father was an avid baseball fan. I grew up in New York City and was able to see the greats play in the polo grounds. Ebbets Field, Yankee Stadium, many Saturdays was spent with my dad cheering on our favorite team. As much as I loved the game of baseball, alas, I was born female at a time when girls watched more than they played. Whenever he could, dad took me out to the park where the neighborhood Little League played and pitched ball for me to hit. We played together for hours and baseball became a big part of my life. One day at the park, a woman pushing a young boy in a wheelchair stopped to watch us play. My dad was went over to them in a flash and asked if the child could join our game. The woman explained that the boy was her son and that he had polo and wouldn't be able to get out of the chair. That didn't stop my dad. He placed a bat in the youngster's hand and pushed him out to home plate and assisted him in holding the bat. Then he yelled out to me on the mound, Annie, pitch one in in into us. I was nervous that I might hit the child but could see the delight in the boy's eyes, so I aimed at the bat and let the ball fly. The ball made contact with the bat with an assist from my father, and the child screamed with joy. The ball flew over my head and headed out for right field. I ran to catch up with it, and as I turned, I heard my dad singing, take me out to the ball game, as he pushed the wheelchair around the bases. The mother clapped and the boy begged to be allowed to continue the game. An hour later, we all left the field, very tired but very happy. The boy's mother had tears in her eyes when she thanked my father for making it such a special day for her son. Dad smiled that wonderful grin that I loved so much and told the mother to bring the boy back next Saturday and we would play another game. Dad and I were at the field next Saturday, but the mother and son never came. I felt sad and wondered what had happened to change their mind about joining us. Dad and I played many more games of baseball, but I never saw the two again. Twenty years passed, and my beloved father died at a tender age of 59. With my father gone, things changed so much that the family decided to move to Long Island. I had very mixed emotions about leaving the neighborhood where I grew up, but I decided to take one last walk around the park where Dad and I had spent so many happy moments. I stopped at the baseball field where we played our Saturday games. Two little league teams were on the field just about to start. I sat down to watch for a while. I felt a string of tears in my eyes as I watched the children play the game that I loved. I missed my dad so much. Jeff, protect your base, one coach yelled. I cheered the runner on when the ball was hit far into the outfield. The coach turned and smiled and said, the kids love a rooting section miss. He continued, I never thought I'd be a coach playing on this field. You see, I had polio as a child and I was confined to a wheelchair. One day, my mother pushed me to the park, and a man was playing baseball with his daughter. He stopped when he saw us watching and asked my mother if I could join them in their game. He helped me to hold the bat, and his daughter pitched to me. I was able to hit the ball with the man's assistance, and he ran me around the bases in my wheelchair, singing the song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. I went home happier that night than I had been in years. I believe that experience gave me the desire to walk. We moved to New Jersey the next day and that's why my my mother had taken me to the park so that I could say goodbye to my friends. I never forgot that man and his daughter or that day. I dreamed about running around the bases on my own two feet and that dream with a lot of work finally came true. I moved back here last year and I've been coaching Little League ever since. I guess I hope that someday I'll look up in the stands and see that man and his daughter again. Who knows, I might find him on one of the fields pitching to one of his grandkids. A lot of years have come and gone and I sure would like to thank him. As the tears ran down my face I knew that my dad had just been thanked and even more I knew every time I heard batter up. My dad would be right beside me, no matter where life took me and the family. That simple act of kindness that spring day had changed a life forever. And now, 20 years later, the memory of that day had changed my life forever. Batter up, Dad, I said as I left the field. I know you're still playing the game we love. Now, I love to preach, but I found that in preaching to some things can be a challenging task. One is that it's full of excitement and when I have prayed enough and listened hard enough, things come out well. The other time is sometimes disappointment and that's usually when I haven't given the seeds time enough to mature. But every one of us, not just Preachers are faced with the same challenge in our daily life. We have to take the word of God, make it our own, and then do something positive with it. And just as a preacher will not know where the seed will fall on fertile soil and grow into good works, so none of us can really know the impact that we will have on those around us Surely, this father had no idea how his act of kindness would affect the young man's life. And this is your challenge, too, to take the word, to make it your own, and to let the seed grow into good works. Do you remember George Bailey in the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life? He had no idea of how his life could touch so many others. Well, we certainly don't either. Only God can see that far into the future. We must, by all means, be ready for disappointment, and sometimes for great joy, and always we must have great patience. But by all means, we must never, never, ever give up trying to spread the word of God. Amen. You have just been listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.